for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy of our worship. Four feet. Four feet for me, folks, is Kevin. Kevin, what's going on, brother? Man, I'm excited to be here. Had a great meal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, getting getting a good start to the day. We just made a big hunk of pot roast, some mashed potatoes, gravy, uh, broccoli and cheese, carrots. Folks, if you could have been here, man, some homemade gravy. God showed up. He Every once in a while, he touches a meal, and today was a meal-touching day, if you know what I'm saying. And, you know, sometimes I get to that place where I remember when I was a kid, my mom said, if you get two A's, I'll cook you anything you want. And I love my mother's homemade blueberry pancakes. And I remember when I was a kid, she... Uh, and I came home and I had three A's, so she made blueberry pancakes that night. And she made me a whole plate, and I ate that whole pancake. And she said, do you want another one? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she made me a second one. She says, you want a third one? And I said, yeah. And I, Folks, I want you to know I ate that third pancake. Then I looked at her and she says, you want another one? I said, no, and I don't want that last one I had either. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit like that I'm right usually now. there, yeah. 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 <laughs> So anyway, our trivia, so our Bible trivia question moving forward, uh, Bible trivia question is how many plagues did God put on the Egyptian people? That may be the hardest one I've given him in a month, but I think he's going to get it. Ten, right? Oh, man. See, you see what I'm saying, folks? You have to send more difficult questions, and uh, <laughs> but we'll go from there. So today uh, we go along, and today's word is unbelief. Unbelief, unbelief. You know, we we have no excuse for unbelief. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse of not believing in Christ. And, uh, uh, you know, folks, I, I remember in Mark, it tells us that he believeth that, and this guy was baptized, but the reason he got baptized, it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So tell him the story that he that believeth, he believed first, mm-hmm. uh, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Yep. And and folks, you know, there's a verse over in Timothy I wanted to share with you, 2 Timothy 3, 5. And, and it goes on and it talks about people. And I think I've been one of these people somewhere in my life. And, you know, before I accepted Jesus Christ and I was all in, the Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And, mm-hmm. and he's warning Timothy, about these knuckleheads in life and folks there's a bunch of them and but he goes on to say that these people and i think i know some uh mm-hmm. brother kevin i think some of these folks to be honest with you have been pastors and stuff that aren't saved and and yeah. things of that nature and saying have a form of godliness you know they say the right things they look the right way they mm-hmm. wear the right things they comb the hair the right way but when it comes when the rubber hits the road you either believe mm-hmm. or you don't and if you don't believe uh, your fate is not eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what it said. That he that believeth not shall be shall be damned, shall be condemned. Uh, I forget the the word, but yeah, it's very serious. That is the gatekeeper of our eternity: is faith or not faith? You know, in computer language, when I was in high school or when in college doing computer language, the if-then statement that determined which subroutine the computer runs. The if-then is: if faith, then go into heaven; if unbelief, go into hell. 
And uh, <clears throat> in fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, and Jesus said unto them, now they had said, why could we not cast out the devils? The disciples were saying this. And he said, because of your unbelief. And later on, Jesus upbraided the disciples after his resurrection for their unbelief. So <clears throat> unbelief is simply um, is simply laying down a marker before God saying, no, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't. It's a decision to, to, to in a sense, reject the word of God because, uh, you know, the, the, on the other side, the example is where Abraham, it says, he staggered not at the promise of God mm. through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So, you know, he simply did not stagger at the promise of God. He didn't like say, oh, I just don't know about that. He instead laid down a marker saying, this is the path I'm taking. It's, I'm setting to my seal, as Jesus put it, that God is true. So, yeah, unbelief is the, um, is the clincher of ruination. So let me just say this, Doug, about PTSD. Sure. The worst thing to get into through PTSD in your darkness is unbelief. Yeah. You know, don't make decisions when you're in darkness. Don't make decisions when your decision maker's busted. Yeah. Don't force it. If you force it, something's going to break. So don't make, uh, I remember years ago, um, we had a, a washer, and one member of my family did not know how to open the door of the washer. Actually, it was a dryer. Did not ho how, know how to open the door of the dryer, and it had to be happy before it would let itself be opened. It had to be satisfied that it was done, and they grabbed it and yanked it and ripped it open, and I had to put a uh, like a, a latch from a barn door on it to hold it shut. <laughs> so don't force something <clears throat> by... Um, by, by in your darkness of trauma, don't say, well, I just will not believe then. That's just not going to get you anywhere. Don't, don't get into this darkness of unbelief. Say, Lord, I can't see you. I can't feel you. I have no idea what you're up to, but this I know. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. This I know. You've got my best interest in hand. I will land on my feet when the dust is settled, and I'm going to be happy. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Mm. And uh, folks, I'm telling you, some people say, oh, that's a kid. That's not a kid song. That's everything uh, right there, folks. Yeah. Uh, you got to be in the Bible. You got to get that precious assurance, that blessed assurance. And mm. you got to be reading God's word. God will take care of all the small stuff. Play it on your radio. If you're lucky enough to go to work, you know, hook up and play the Bible through your earbuds, whatever the case may be, make it part of your life. Unbelief is dangerous. And, and not just unbelief and accepting Jesus Christ, unbelief in the promises of God, unbelief in God taking care of you, uh, confidence issues, so many things. Boy, I'm telling you, the devil loves a Christian who's not not sold out for God. The devil loves that because they're not mm. going to do anything for God. They're going to be miserable. But we've been studying the Word of God. We've been studying it in terms of the life of Christ. And we find ourselves in the book of John chapter 12, starting in verse number 37. But thou, he had done so many miracles before him, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Esaias, Isaiah, uh, the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who have believed our report, into whom have the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah, or Isaiah said again, hath 
he hath blinded the eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spank of uh, spake of him, you know. And as we go on in Isaiah, you know, there's prophecy fulfilled throughout these verses, throughout chapter twelve, throughout the entire book of John. And but there's an unbelief going on, even in despite of the miracles, people in the presence of people who were healed and mm. people who went those things. And then the Lord goes on and He talks about having these hardened hearts. And, and folks, there's nothing worse than a hardened heart. You know, and we get a hardened heart for a lot of different reasons. Mm. Maybe maybe we're not happy with the person who's reading the Bible to us or preaching to us. Maybe maybe we think we're better than everybody else. But let me tell you, the God of this world will blind your eyes. The devil will do whatever it takes to knock you off your uh, pedestal of serving God. The devil will do whatever it takes to put things into your life that hurt you to remind you over and over again. And just hold up your hand and say, excuse me. Christ healed me. God mm-hmm. has me. Sometimes I just speak verses. Don't get a hardened heart. Don't be one of those people that can't see outside of that hardened heart, that can't see outside of the hurts you've been through, that can't see outside of the pain you've been through, that can't see outside of the people that you've worked with. And I tell people this all the time. Listen, folks, heal things. Don't go to bed on your uh, making people mad or, or having people make you mad. Work it out. Talk to people. Deal with it. Kevin, we got about a minute before the break. What are you thinking, brother? Yeah, it says uh, in the book of Hebrews, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So if belief is the opposite of unbelief, kind of like if you seal a jar, you unseal it when you open it. Belief is kind of like a decision to Un, I mean, excuse me, unbelief is a decision to undo that which you did when you believed. So belief is a slap in the face of, unbelief is a slap in the face of God. Belief is is a an offering of worship, of credence, saying, Lord, I believe in you, what you're for, what you say, your character. I believe in you. Yeah, and there's so much going on here talking about Isaiah and, you know, his vision of God's glory. And, you know, we need to have a vision of God's glory. So we got to ask mm-hmm. ourselves, are we hard in any area of our lives? And it may not be salvation. It may be, you know, I'm hard. I don't believe God can move this mountain in my life. I, I don't believe God really does this anymore. Folks, that's dangerous. That's a form of godliness. Mm-hmm. That's a bad place to be. And it's easy to get there. If we're not careful, we can get all caught up in this junk and turned upside down and sideways and every other crazy thing you want to think about, but it can happen, but God can change it. We'll be right back. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Whenever I'm in the book of John chapter 12, I come back and I, I reflect on a couple things. And, you know, I always think about free will. God has given us this wonderful free will. Free will is dangerous. And free will is the decision to accept Jesus Christ or deny him, which is a terrible thing. But free will is also what are we going to do with that? 
Are we going to lay home on the couch? Are we going to put it to work? Is there something we can do in our lives? And then we got to ask ourselves, you know, there's spiritual blindness and hardness of your heart. You got to say, is there anything in my life, no matter how well I'm serving God, no matter how great the church is I'm in, no matter how many things I've done, stop and ask yourself the question and say, is there a spiritual hardness somewhere in my heart? God, have you given me something or showed me something that I should be perfectly happy mm. with, but I'm not? I think that's the question that comes to mind there. That's what that's what comes to my thought, Kevin, is, you know, we got to examine ourselves. we got to ask ourselves these questions. we got to say, is there spiritual hardness in my life? Is there spiritual blindness in any area of my life? Yeah, this, this whole thing, we're talking about unbelief in the book of Hebrews, is tied in with hardness of heart. It's funny you say that because it says, uh, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation when your father's... Um, <clears throat> I'm quoting it from memory, but when your fathers basically did not believe me in the wilderness. So hardness goes right into our issues of faith. Um, I I think when people start to doubt God, all of a sudden it opens their eyes to all the other possibilities of the world. And whereas the world did not call them as much and as strongly, did not look as dazzling to them. Once we start to doubt God, all of a sudden we start to see this wonderful world, you know, of this of this kind of plastic, um, you know, the bright lights of Vegas and everything just looks like it's real. And it's actually, we're losing that childlike faith and confidence in the God of eternity. And we're starting to place our faith and confidence and our trust and our belief in these things that really don't last. You know, a Disney movie or whatever, you know, something that just seems like, hey, this is finally something I can enjoy. But wait a minute. If we have left our first love and hardened our heart and are walking in unbelief, then we are no longer dwelling in reality. We're now living on a uh, kind of a, uh, a false a sense of of uh, of things to put our faith and trust in, and uh, it was put this way in the scriptures: you're leaning on a bruised reed. You know, you're leaning on something that's just going to collapse sooner or later. So I, I found out you can lean real hard on God with all the faith you got, and it'll hold you up. Yeah, and and you know this this it's not an optimistic vision that Isaiah had. It's who God is, you know, his train, all those different things. How do you view God? I mean, that's a question that I need to ask myself. Am I viewing God in the proper context? So who's God in our life? Is he our backup? Is he our co-pilot? When I was younger, uh, we used to drive around and you would see people with bumper stickers that would say something like, God, my co-pilot. God is nobody's co-pilot. Mm-hmm. If you have any sticker at all, it should be God, my pilot, or mm-hmm. and, uh, and things like that. So we think about what we just read and we look at these things. And you know what, folks? You got to stop and say to yourself, you got to pray and say, God, how can I absorb this? Read God's word, listen to God's word, tune in on God's word and say, what in my life am I ruling out that God can still give me, that God can still take care of me, that God can still do a work in my life? And I remember this sad story. I'll tell you this story. It's really sad. But a young lady told a story. She was down and she had graduated from a Bible college. And just before graduation, a young man said to her, he was a year and a half, two years ahead of her in college, said, listen, I'm on the mission field. I'll be home in one year. And uh, when I come home, I'd like to you know, speak with you and and pray with it and maybe speak to your dad about going out with you. 
And he got stuck on the mission field somewhere. And anyway, he came home about a year and a half later, two years later, and he called her up and she said, I just couldn't wait. I didn't believe that God had someone as good as you for me. So in the meantime, I had this ungodly relationship. Now, folks, this isn't a parable. This is a true story. And uh, I got HIV. So I'm pregnant and I'm HIV. Mm-hmm. And six days after she found out she was HIV positive and pregnant, and one month after she had stepped out and stopped trusting God, he shows up and he calls. And, and folks, so many things in our life, we, 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 we get this blindness and say, well, God, you can't give me anybody. Well, God, I, I graduate. There's no one here for me. Well, God, I, I, you know, I'm never going to have good friends in my life. God, I'm never going to have that spouse I wanted. You know, that's not the God I serve. You know, yes, no, indifferent, trust God. Uh, that's the God we serve. You have to trust him. And, and Kevin, so many of us step, you know, we, we take two steps backwards before we try to take one step forward with God. And, and we got to say to ourselves, stop that, cut it out, trust God. And, and, and folks, can I tell you something? Don't be that person that's spiritually blind in one area of your life. You're doing everything right, but you're not 100%. And does that make sense, Kevin? Yeah. You, the story you just told there reminded me of the the uh, character quality of patience and how un- unbelief, if we're still chasing that down, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Unbelief, yeah. So the it's you just brought up a really good point. Unbelief is, is a form of spiritual suicide where we say, I'm taking matters into my own hand, but I'm going to kind of just close my eyes to what I know is... <clears throat> probably true. I used to believe it. I'm going to close my eyes to it. It's like I'm driving the car. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to put my foot in the accelerator and just mash it. And I'm going to enjoy this new liberty where I don't have to look anymore. I can just floor it and expect the best. And you're just going to, you're going to wreck at the first turn or you're going to kill somebody. But you know, the idea that I want to, I want to wait on God, the worst life changing or eternity Uh, wrecking decisions are made by impatiently rejecting the word of God. I'll give you an example of the scripture, 2 Kings 6.33. There was a fellow in the scriptures that was just, there was a bunch of, uh, I don't know if there's a famine going on or or what, but he he was waiting uh, and he was upset with the prophet because things weren't going well and Elisha was a prophet. And I can't remember if this is the king or what, but the the king of uh, northern tribes of Israel. But anyway, he was in unbelief, and he said this. uh, This is what the scripture says. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? And every time I read that, I think about people that say, okay, it's just this has gone too far. I'm not... Why should I wait for God any longer? Kind of like David. When David was being chased by Saul, he was he was really discouraged when Saul kept on coming and God did not shut the problem down. God did not shut the abuser off. God didn't kill Saul, whatever. And, and so this is what David said. Behold, I will one day perish by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better than that I should go and... Um, 
flee to the land of the Philistines. So David went and lived with the Philistines. If you remember when he got there, he had to act like he was an idiot and let the slobber run down his chin, down over his beard, because uh, he, he was being risked. He, you know, they were going to out him down there, um, some of the subjects of the king of the Philistines or whatever. And so David basically said, I cannot wait anymore. There's nothing better for me to do than to take matters into my own hands. And Doug, I've done that. I've taken matters into my own hands. I've lo- I've fl- flown off the handle and said, "I'm this. I'm going to put my foot down here. I'm going to force this thing." That's a form of unbelief because when we make a decision, we're going to force the hand of God or force my force my flesh into the situation. It's just never going to come out good. Yeah, and and folks, it's the, the easiest thing to do is give up sometimes, and uh, you know it's the way of uh, no resistance. You know, of least mm. resistance, no resist. I'm just quitting. Yeah, folks, don't quit on God. Find no. that spiritual blindness. Find that unbelief. Find that hardness of your heart, and say, God, I'm all in. And you know what? God loves people who are all in. And today, make today about the day that you're all in. Make this Wednesday the best Wednesday ever. May God bless you. Hop in your Bible. Wednesday's Bible Day. May God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.